0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that I didn't anticipate talking about in this space really ever, not from the start of Virtual Legality, even through yesterday, perhaps. And that is the nature of war, foreign policy, international relations, states invading other sovereign states. And... Before we get started with that conversation, I want to point out what you already know, which is that I'm not a foreign policy expert. I'm not a diplomat, a politician, a head of state, or even someone that talks about these things regularly. What I am is a corporate transactions lawyer that talks about businesses, often in the video game industry, and how they message things, how they make the decisions that they do, hopefully adding a little bit of information and education to the process that we can observe they're going through while making decisions that they do. But unfortunately, as I believe you probably all know, in the news, the video game industry, the technology industry, and really every other industry in the world has on the top of its mind the Russian invasion of the sovereign country of Ukraine. Now, as part of this discussion, I also want to say that where I stand is where I think a lot of people stand, which is a strong derision and condemnation of an invasion of a sovereign country, as we have seen from Russia. After that point in time, however, I'm going to be critiquing and looking at some of the actions that video game companies have taken in respect of this war. And you may or may not agree with what I have to say. Certainly we are well within the reasonable minds can differ zone when we talk about any of this. With that said, if you wanna skip this video to go on to the next one, where hopefully we're talking about something a little bit more lighthearted than international relations and real war, not just console war, I don't blame you one bit. For the rest of us, on your screen right now is a map of Ukraine. This was provided by CNN. I will, of course, link it in the description to this video. If you aren't familiar with the geography of the area, it's important for portions of this story. Here's Russia on the right side, surrounding Ukraine. Here are, in red, the areas where at least CNN says it can verify conflict points in the current war. And here is Poland, right next to Belarus and, of course, next to Ukraine. Poland, as a sovereign state itself, has a vested interest in what happens in Ukraine, whether it's annexed by Russia, whether Ukraine wins the war, whether Russia tries to put in some kind of government of its own that is pretty much under Russian control. Poland cares about this, which is why, I think, in part, The first story that we're going to talk about today happens because over the last 24 hours or so, a number of companies in the video game industry have taken steps with respect to Russian interests, the leader of which is GOG, good old games owned by the CD Projekt Group, which also owns CD Projekt Red, the developer of games like Cyberpunk 2077 and The Witcher. And here is what they had to say. In light of the Russian military invasion in our neighboring country of Ukraine, until further notice, the CD Projekt Group has made the decision to halt all sales of our games to Russia and Belarus. Today, we begin working with our partners to suspend digital sales and cease physical stock deliveries of CD Projekt Group products, as well as all games distributed on the GOG platform to the territories of Russia and Belarus. The entire CD project group stands firm with the people of Ukraine. While we are not a political entity capable of directly influencing state matters and don't aspire to be one, we do believe that commercial entities, when united, have the power to inspire global change in the hearts and minds of ordinary people. We know that players in Russia and Belarus, individuals who have nothing to do with the invasion of Ukraine, will be impacted by this decision. But with this action, we wish to further galvanize the global community to speak about what is going on in the heart of Europe. To our brothers and sisters fighting for their home country, stay strong. And you have the CD Projekt logo at the top, and you have the colors of the Ukrainian flag as well. Now, this statement is strong, it's powerful, and it's interesting What you have here from the start is a suggestion that perhaps all of GOG's activity will be ceased in Russia and Belarus. If you go and you look at the Twitter thread that this message was put out with, which is only a couple of hours old at the time of taping of this video, you do have people asking questions. Are they going to be able to access the games they already purchased from you in Russia and Belarus? And they do say that they will, that they're basically shutting down uh, the ability to purchase things on the GOG platform. And the physical stock deliveries, of course, will prevent purchases in those retail outlets. What you also see is a defensive stance for what is going to be the most common criticism of these things. And it's a criticism that I might levy outside, especially of these Polish companies that have a very vested interest in the uh, conclusion of this war, whatever that might look like. And that is that, let's be honest, Putin, his cabinet, his military, They aren't waiting with bated breath to get access to Cyberpunk 2077 or the next generation console release of The Witcher 3. This action doesn't affect them directly. So we have to really look at what CD Projekt is trying to accomplish here. This paragraph could have said, for instance, we don't want those dirty Russian rubles. We don't want any association with them. We don't like them. They're evil and we don't want their money. Could have said that. Would have been a defensible position for a number of folks to say, hey, look, we don't want Russian money, and so we're not going to take Russian money. Certainly, as we talk about all of these things in this video, every company we're going to talk about has the right to decide how their products are sold, who they sell them to, how those pipelines work. There is absolutely no issue with those considerations. But then you get to what they're actually aimed at, right? Right. They want to galvanize the global community to speak about what is going on in the heart of Europe. So they're taking this action, according to their own words, in order to keep this in the news, in order for virtual legality to cover the fact that they are making this move early this morning, in order to get more folks acknowledging that this war is going on and that there are real effects happening with it. But they also, as I said, are a little bit defensive. They talk about what is the most common criticism. They say, we understand that players in Russia and Belarus, individuals who have nothing to do with the invasion of Ukraine, will be impacted by this decision. And and that's part of the issue here, right? It's a bit attenuated. Galvanizing the global community is one thing. You want the rest of us here in the United States or Canada or anywhere else to know this is happening, to speak out strongly about it. I get that. That's a position that you can 100% take if you are CD Projekt, CD Projekt Red, and their entire CD Projekt group. But this is going to impact those players specifically. And as an American, it's very easy for me to imagine, oh, I don't know, American adventurism bombing someplace that I don't wanna bomb by someone that I didn't vote for, by a legislature that I didn't vote for, and probably acting unconstitutionally while they do it. Unfortunately, throughout my lifetime, I've had that experience quite a bit. And so I don't sit here high and mighty suggesting that the United States is remotely close to perfect on this score, but I can certainly see how if everybody just decided that something the United States did was wrong altogether, then this kind of thing starts to impact a guy like me or someone else that, if all other things were equal, would prefer not to be led by that individual. So one question you have to ask yourself, and we will actually see this in one of the messaging statements we review today, is are you actually trying to impact the political sentiment in Russia and Belarus? Is part of the idea here cutting off these particular avenues in order to get people upset at Putin, to get people upset at their leadership and somehow cause a significant reaction and breakdown uh, in russia and its citizenry certainly we see that kind of notion in various aspects in other industries outside of gaming right as covered by ign here sonic 2 the batman more pulled from release in russia after invasion of ukraine now i don't think that the removal of sonic 2 the batman or more is going to affect the actual military undertakings uh, of russia but it's certainly going to impact the russian people Who would otherwise maybe like to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2? In fairness, I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I enjoyed the first Sonic the Hedgehog. I have no idea how the second Sonic the Hedgehog will do. But you also see statements that are a little bit more circumspect about what kind of position they're going to take, right? Here's Paramount's statement. As we witness the ongoing tragedy in Ukraine, we have decided to pause the theatrical release of our upcoming films in Russia. We stand by all those impacted by the humanitarian crisis across Ukraine, Russia, and our international markets, and we'll continue to monitor the situation as it unfolds. So, this is a little bit less we're taking sides, right? This is a little bit less of what you get from CD Projekt Red or CD Projekt Group that says, hey, we stand with the people of Ukraine. This is we stand by those impacted by a humanitarian crisis. That sounds like a volcano or something going off in Ukraine and Russia because they're trying to be a little bit more political about these steps they've taken, because there's liability issues. There's all sorts of issues with sending things into Russia right now, but that's a little bit different than what CD Project is saying right there on the border. Disney says we will make future business decisions based on the evolving situation. Uh, they are not having theatrical releases due to the unprovoked invasion of Ukraine and the tragic humanitarian crisis, that's, that's, that's picking sides a little bit by Disney. You see all of these various companies try to navigate these waters, which, to be frank, are a bit unusual. You know, I talk about the United States. You could talk about all sorts of other invasions, including, as we see here in 2014, the annexation of Crimea by Russia, uh, which was a big deal for a short period of time. And then seemingly the West really didn't treat with it anymore. And so when we look at this, a full-scale invasion of a sovereign country, uh, I don't know that the West actually has a lot of experience, either in corporate or state form, of talking about these things. And what we are seeing is the growing pains of reactions that don't make a ton of sense in all cases. Right? You see news stories of people pulling vodka from the shelves because it's Russian, even though it's already paid for, uh, and things along those lines. But similar to CD Projekt Group, you have a comment from the Bloober team this morning. And they make The Medium and some other kind of horror games. Dear community, as the Russian unprovoked invasion of Ukraine continues, killing defenders and civilians alike, we at Bloober Team have decided to stop selling our titles in Russia and Belarus across all platforms. We've been working with our partners to put the games down from the stores in these countries, the ban coming into effect first on Steam. Our hearts are with the Ukrainian people, and this is one of several steps we are currently taking to support them. Now, here they go a little bit further than CD Projekt Group. We understand that our decision might affect many Russian and Belarusian players who are not involved in this invasion, but we strongly believe that every step that can help stop the war is worth taking. So, unlike CD Projekt, which really talks about galvanizing public opinion, this is much more directly aimed at quote unquote stopping the war. How do they feel that that's going to happen? Here's their fourth tweet. This includes showing a full solidarity with the Ukrainian people, both with words and actions, as well as creating pressure on the Russian and Belarusian public opinion. Bloober team here is acknowledging what CD Projekt Group is not which is that taking leisure goods, taking items of relaxation, restoration, whatever you want to call them, away from the Russian people, the Belarusian people, is by design intended to make their lives worse so that they reflect upon the leadership that has gotten to them in this position. We believe, finishes off Bloober that a global joint resistance can help make a difference. We want to be a part of a world that doesn't turn a blind eye to warmongering, and we won't stay neutral when human lives are at stake. And this is well within a company's rights to make these decisions. But I do question their efficacy and I do question whether or not it makes sense to punish the Russian and the Belarusian people in this way. Yes, it might create pressure on public opinion. It might also create solidarity. We don't know. And I, again, am a lawyer, right? I'm circumspect about corporations acting in any way. So take that with a grain of salt, discount it as you would, but I worry about companies getting overly involved in international affairs. Now, Blueber Team actually gets the same kind of dispensation that I give to CD Projekt, which is if we look at the Tencent ownership grid, which we'll be talking about in just a second, we see that Tencent, Chinese company, owns about a quarter of Blueber Team as of October of last year. And that Blueber Team is, like CD Projekt before them, located in Poland. I really don't begrudge any company that's operating in Poland from having very strong thoughts about what's happening in Ukraine. And we will see at the end of this video that CD Projekt's thoughts are indeed very strong as revealed in the board directive uh, they put out this morning along with that tweet. So I'm really not begrudging them any of this. And I'm not begrudging them the desire to have this war ended and to act against what they view, I think rightly, as unwanted, unwarranted aggression from Russia. So I don't really begrudge it of them, but I'm happy that Bluebird team here is transparent, that they essentially want to get an uprising going in Russia and Belarus. uh, But I'm not sure that game industry companies are best positioned to do these things. Again, I had the 10 cent ownership grade up here as well, because I am always cognizant of precedent set. Right. One of the things that I've been watching with bated breath as this all has happened is what is going to be turned off for Russia. What do those sanctions look like? What companies are going to act? What infrastructure is going to act? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But it's worth noting that unlike with Russia, video games, as I think a lot of you that watch Virtual Legality or, or listen to it in podcast form know, are well and truly in bed in a significant material way with China which is another aggressor that we see across various borders. Certainly, you can't say Hong Kong in very many contexts when you're talking about any of these companies. We did an entire playlist called the Blizzard of Backlash that was Activision Blizzard dealing with that. And in part, why was Activision Blizzard dealing with that? Well, because they were also owned in a small, small percentage by Tencent, which has an affiliation with the Chinese government. For those of you that don't know this, here are just a few companies that Tencent owns outright. Funcom, Riot Games, Sumo Group, Turtle Rock Studios, 1C Entertainment. I'm sure you've seen some of those logos if you've been playing video games uh, of any kind. They also own majority stakes in Supercell and a significant but not controlling stake in Epic Games, one of the biggest video game companies on earth, and their Fortnite product. You can check out this whole list for yourself. It's in the Wikipedia. I will send it to you. But the point is, is that I don't think these companies actually want to be in the business of evaluating these kinds of international actions. Certainly, Bloober Team makes sense. Certainly, CD Projekt makes sense. When we get to the second half of this video, we're going to talk a little bit more about maybe some actions that don't make a lot of sense, that maybe perform a performative or signaling function. And that's the kind of thing that I get a little bit more upset about than these companies looking at things and saying, my God, Poland could be next. Similarly, I think you have to be wary if you're a company, if you're somebody that isn't a head of state in doing things solely because another country asks you to, right? As part of this, we have a series of communications, and I'm going to get this pronunciation wrong, I apologize, from Mikhailo Fedorov, who is, I believe, the secretary, a minister of digital transformation of the Ukraine. Of Ukraine. Sorry, I apologize. The Ukraine is the Russian uh, version of that. We're not going to be using that terminology, certainly, in this video. You are definitely aware of what is happening in Ukraine right now. Russia declared war, not for Ukraine, but for all of the civilized world. If you support human values, you should leave the Russian market. Little light translation there. Certainly defensible, not an English speaker. And he sent this letter to all game development companies and esports platforms at the end of February. The Russian Federation has carried out a deceptive and outrageous military attack on my country. Just imagine in 2022, cruise missiles attack residential neighborhoods, kindergartens, and hospitals in the heart of Europe. The armed forces and citizens are defending Ukraine till the end. The whole world is repelling the aggressor through the imposition of sanctions. The enemy must suffer significant losses, but we need your support. In 2022, modern technology is perhaps the best answer to the tanks, multiple rocket launchers, and missiles. I am sure that you will not only hear, but also do everything possible to protect Ukraine, Europe, and finally the entire democratic world from bloody authoritarian aggression. And I appeal to temporarily block all Russian and Belarusian accounts, temporarily stop the participation of Russian and Belarusian teams and gamers in all international esports events, and cancel all international events holding on the territory of Russia and Belarus. We are sure that such actions will motivate the citizens of Russia to proactively stop this disgraceful military aggression. So here you see Ukraine, of course, saying you need the people of Russia and Belarus uh, Belarus, to overturn, uh, to uprise against their leadership. But this appeal is very, very strong. This appeal is asking all game development companies and esports platforms to cut off all Russian and Belarusian accounts. We saw this also, with respect to uh, the Facebooks of the world, the technology companies of the world, Apple Maps and things like that. And if you are Ukraine, this was this was labeled to Xbox and PlayStation, for instance, I 1000% understand why you are doing everything in your power to get every ally and everything that you can to help stop the invasion of your sovereign territory. Unfortunately, when we look at these things on the whole, there are a number of these steps that really can't honestly be taken and probably shouldn't be taken uh, by these various companies. We don't want these companies to be arbiters of international disputes of this type. Video games probably don't matter as much. They don't matter as much either in the sanctioned or not sanctioned area of the world. But then there's infrastructure, and we saw this very same uh, minister of digital transformation ask for even more than this on the same or, or a couple of days later, as Ars Technica reports. It Ukraine asks. I can. To revoke Russian domains and shut down DNS root servers. And there's a letter to ICANN asking for the revocation of the domains .ru, uh, .po, that's a Russian uh, letter I don't uh, recognize, and .su, contribute to the revoking for SSL certificates, shut down DNS root servers. And other people that are better with technology than me summarize what all that means. Here's a Twitter thread from Bill Woodcock. Not yet posted to the ICANN correspondence page, but this is a heck of an ask on the part of Ukraine. As a critical infrastructure operator, my inclination is to say heck no, regardless of my sympathies. And that's that's where it's so tough, right? I have absolutely no blame for Ukraine asking for anything they can think of from everybody that they can think of. But a lot of the time, the answer is going to have to be heck no. I've had a chance to think about this a little more. Essentially, they're asking for three things. Remove the Russian TLDs from the root zone. That would make Russian websites, email, etc., unreachable from outside Russia and unreachable for some inside Russia as well depending on how their ISPs and recursive resolvers are configured. Two, shut down the root name servers inside Russia. That would make connectivity spotty for many users inside Russia, but mostly regular folks, not government or military users. Revoke IP address delegations to Russian networks. That would break the RPSL and RPKI security that protects their routing. Taken together, these three actions would have the effect of making Russian civilian internet users much more vulnerable to man-in-the-middle attacks, such as are used to compromise banking credentials, and website passwords. They would have little to no effect on the Russian government or military. Remember, this is exactly the attack the Russians practiced for last July, which means their defenses are probably at optimum readiness right now. And in the short term, this is a bad plan because it would cut the Russian man on the street off from international news and perspectives, leaving them with only what the Russian government chooses to tell them. That's not a great way to decrease Russian public support for the war. In the long term, And this is what I'm most concerned about. This would set the precedent that small industry associations in Los Angeles and Amsterdam would be playing arbiter in international conflicts and messing with countries' supposed sovereign country code top-level domains. And if that were to happen, a lot more countries than just China and Russia would secede from the common consensus internet that allows us all to talk to each other. This is not video games. This is significantly more important than video games. This is internet infrastructure. But these are the kinds of asks that Ukraine is making, completely defensively, totally understood and empathetic to why they are making them. But every company, every structure is going to have to evaluate them separately, unfortunately. ICANN this morning said no, uh, as reported here by Iman Javers on Twitter. The global nonprofit that manages internet domains has rejected a request from the Ukrainian government to effectively remove Russia from the global internet but we can expect more and more of those requests. Certainly, the requests made to Xbox and PlayStation and every game developer and esports teams, those kinds of things will continue because Ukraine's goal is to get Russian citizens mad at the Russian heads of state. Whether or not that makes sense or you agree with that being the method to actually engage in these foreign relations is a very reasonable minds can differ kind of proposition. And I leave it to the minds that are more well-versed in foreign policy and international relations than I am. But We should be careful in the video game industry and other industries that are leisure pursuits, movie, whatever it might be, to engage in this. Because while we might all be able to agree with Russia and Ukraine here, that there seems to be a clear bad guy and a clear good guy, It maybe won't be so easy the next time. Uh, And even here, you might have certain folks that are disagreeing with certain characterizations, even that I've made here with respect uh, to this particular war. Now, you can absolutely discount those positions potentially, uh, but they are going to happen, and we don't really want companies to be in the business of making these adjudications. To leave you off with, I want to talk about the other end of the spectrum. I said, hey, CD Projekt, that makes sense. I understand why they are doing that. Bluebird Team, I understand why they're doing that, although it's interesting that you do have a quarter of your ownership owned by a different authoritarian regime. But then we get to Electronic Arts, who, hey, they just want to be involved, right? Or as IGN reports, FIFA 22, that's your soccer game, and NHL 22, that's your hockey game, removing Russian teams in support of Ukraine. So they're not ending sales. At least they don't mention ending sales. They're not doing anything like that. They're not changing their bottom line. They're just removing content from games that have already been released because we don't like to see Russian things. Now, that's, of course, not how they describe it. They instead say EA Sports stands in solidarity with the Ukrainian people and like so many voices across the world of football, that's soccer to you Americans, calls for peace and an end to the invasion of Ukraine. It's good so far. In line with our partners at FIFA and UEFA, EA Sports has initiated processes to remove the Russian national team and all Russian clubs from EA Sports FIFA products, including FIFA 22, FIFA Mobile, and FIFA Online. We're also actively evaluating related changes to other areas of our games. It's unclear what those might be. We will keep our communities up to date on any actions taken and thank players for their patience as we work through these updates. So they're spending resources, time on patches, whatever. I don't play FIFA, so this is no never mind to me personally, to remove instances of the Russian national team and Russian clubs from their game. Similarly, EA Sports NHL says, following the IIHF's suspension, Of all Russian and Belarusian national and club teams from IIHF competitions, we will be removing these teams from NHL 22 within the coming weeks. We stand with the people of Ukraine and join the voices around the world calling for peace. Now, both of these are essentially referencing the various associations and institutions that run some of the international competitions in both soccer and hockey. So that's fine and good and makes a certain amount of sense why you would at least remove these or suspend them from online play, whatever it might be. Certainly publicizing them in this way, getting an IGN article written about them in this way, I don't really think is terribly effective. Like these other companies, EA is allowed to do what they want. Honestly, if we were to go into the terms of service here, you'd see something that says we can update and patch things as we will. I don't necessarily love to see the removal of content for basically any reason, but certainly in these specific circumstances, we can understand why they're taking them. And yet this really feels the same as those stories of people pulling vodka off the shelves or Russian flags or books written by Russian authors that you see in the newspapers and various social media articles uh, today. I'm also very cognizant of the fact that while we can agree mostly on the nature of this particular war in the United States, we don't have a particularly great history with treating people separately from their governments. If you look at World War II, we treated our Japanese citizens very, very poorly, including the Supreme Court of the United States because they were Japanese citizens. And I would hate to see Russians as a heritage as an ethnicity here in the united states or elsewhere start to get treated the way we saw 50 60 70 and further years back solely because of their association with a government that especially if they're citizens of a different country they had absolutely nothing to do with so while i understand these positions taken while i certainly understand the positions taken by the polish companies i always personally have a bit of concern for othering folks For taking someone's heritage and saying "Mm, we should talk about that we should eliminate the russian teams the russian clubs from being in our game despite the fact that they almost certainly have nothing to do with the government or the military's aggression in this particular case and to leave you off finally i did mention i wanted to show you that cd project is really putting its money where its mouth is as we've looked at in the past because they've made some stupid messaging mistakes with respect to cyberpunk 2077 In Poland, the board has an obligation to basically make these press releases to put out these statements when they do something big. So here, as of this morning, subject, decision regarding suspension of the sale of CD Projekt Group products and GOG.com distribution in Russia and Belarus. The management board of CD Projekt SA with a registered office in Warsaw hereby announces that on 3 March 2022, it undertook the decision to suspend sales of CD Projekt Group products as well as games distributed on the GOG.com platform in the territories of Russia and Belarus. The company estimates that the approximate cumulative share of Russia and Belarus in CD Projekt Red product sales and in sales revenues obtained in the GOG.com segment over the past 12-month period was 5.4% and 3.7% respectively. That's 9.1%. That's almost a tenth of the revenues they get from product sales and GOG.com. That they have pulled off their books in order to send this message i don't know about what ea is doing and what that's going to cost them i don't know what it's going to cost bloober team to do what they're doing what i do know is that for cd project they've given up 10 cents on the dollar in order to make this statement and in all honesty that's something that i really respect that shows that you believe in what you're doing and again the Polish companies, I have a lot more leeway than the electronic artses of the world. And I do want to leave you with another final thing. I think this is the third final thing of the video, so I apologize uh, for the misstatements there. Uh, And this is a Twitter thread from a follower of mine named Stephen Brown. He collected over the course of the end of February, a number of the statements from Ukrainian and Ukrainian adjacent developers. I highly recommend checking this out. This is the various video game developers very closely related to the area, the statements they have to make, what they would impart to you in respect of these kinds of things. I, I definitely think uh, you should check it out. It's a lot better to me than Electronic Arts just simply removing Russian teams and making a press release out of it and getting an RG, IGN article written about it. So leave your comments in the description of this video. This isn't what we are going to do on a standard basis. This might be, I hope it is, honestly, the last time we touch on this. Uh, If you aren't familiar with virtual legality, if this is your first visit here, this is not a politics channel. We try very hard to not make it a politics channel. There's a million places you can go both online and on YouTube uh, to get your fix for those kinds of things. But this is the touching of an industry we cover uh, and international events that really can't be ignored. If you enjoy these conversations, maybe "enjoys" a little strong for this particular one, please consider supporting the channel. We cannot do it uh, without support from viewers and listeners like you. Otherwise, just subscribing and telling your friends. Every little bit helps grow the channel, and growing the channel helps YouTube see us and spread our message even further. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.